And in case I didn't see you when, I, when you walked in, this is my gift for you. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Hey, uh, this, this service is uh, intended to just be a lot of fun, a lot of laughter. That's why the kids are invited. And uh, they have their little gift things and let them run around, let them sit on the floor and play or whatever. We're just here to have uh, fun together. Hey, um, Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, um, said this. It was right smack dab in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. He said, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Uh, many years ago, um, I was serving in another church and I wrote a Christmas story, fictional story to kind of illustrate what was going on at Christmas time. And, and when I told that story, it was like a half an hour long and you guys get the watching the clock there. You get the, like the four minute cliff note version of the story, but I called it the treasure of Kumpe. Kumpe was, uh, the sleepy little village in the middle of the Amazon jungle. And, uh, for decades. Decades, generations and generations, this little village has stayed virtually the same. In this village were a young couple that were uh, engaged to be married. There was Jose and Maria. Jose was the carpenter's son. He was training under his father to be the carpenter of the village. And Maria was training under her mother to be a basket maker. Well, uh, the families all got along for the most part, except the uh, the chief of the village had a son that was about um, the, the, that same age of these young people. And he was not so nice. And he was kind of a troublemaker and an ornery kind of guy. And nobody liked him. And he's always causing trouble and wanting to pick fights and this and that. Um, I won't go into all that. Long story short, we've got to condense this. But there were two things that were happening at the same time in that village, in that era of time for that village. Number one was that for as long as anybody could remember, going back generations after generations in the distant past, there had been a legend that there was a treasure that was going to be found at just the perfect time for this village to help the village out of some big trouble at that time. Nobody knew when it was going to come. Nobody knew what it was going to be, but everybody knew that at some point the treasure would be found. And there was always generation after generation conjecture of what this treasure is going to be. Is it going to be jewels? Is it going to be money? Is it going to be this or that? Nobody knew except that it was going to be good and it was going to come right at the right time. Okay. So that was the first thing that was happening. The second thing that was happening was that there was this unseen enemy and uh, bad force that was coming closer and closer to, uh, by the way, do you like the length of the sleeves on this jacket? I noticed that this, mor- this morning when I did that, like, okay. So anyway, uh, the, uh, this unseen force was beginning to tear down the, the rainforest and all of the trees were disappearing and the, and the people in the village were, what in the world could this be? Because the, the rainforest is disappearing far faster than we could do it if we were tearing that there must be this really big force that's really mean and really bad. But anyway, so all of that was happening. Okay. Well, there was always this conjecture. Okay. So there, in, this is a perfect time for the treasure to appear because we need, we need to fight against that force of whatever it is. We just can't see it. Well, one day, uh, Jose and Maria 
because they were getting married and they were all lovey-dovey and they get anxious, the wedding was only, uh, only a short time off. They, they wanted to get away uh, from town and escape some of all of this like worry and all of that. So they decided to go for a walk. So they went down the path they normally do and then got to a path that they had never seen before. They went down that path and it went further and further and further into the rainforest and uh, came upon this really pristine um, clearing. And over in the corner of the clearing was a cave. And being the show off that uh, Jose was and he wanted to be manly or whatever, he talked Maria into exploring the cave. And so they went in and it was dark and they meandered through and it got darker and darker and darker as they went deeper and deeper into the cave until they rounded a corner. And over in the corner was this old man, bearded, gray, down to the floor, seemingly looked dead. He was unmoving. He was just sitting there in the corner. And they were like, what in the world is that? So they crept up and, and Jose poked the old man to see if he was alive. And the old man opened his eyes. And Jose said, who are you? The man says, I am treasure. Jose is like, what? What? No, no. Who are you? What are you? And the guy said, no, I am treasure. And so they've, they're still confused, didn't know what to do. So they invited him to come back to the village. Maybe he needs food. Maybe he does. I don't know what, what this guy is. But on the way back, he talked to them about their hearts and about things that were important in life. And it was such an amazing talk. And it was, it was so rich and full of truth that they didn't even realize. Well, they got back to the village and amongst this came into the discussion of the fear of the unseen whatever. And everybody wanted to find out what the treasure was. Well, Jose and Maria said, no, we found the treasure. This guy is the treasure. No, they were all confused. Well, one party thought, well, maybe, maybe he knows where the real treasure is. Maybe the treasure is, he, he can help us guide us to it. And the treasure is money or jewels or whatever. We could sell that to buy weapons to fight the bad people. Maybe we can take that treasure that he knows about and maybe he has a military mind and we can go and rally the troops of the villages around here and we can buy off their loyalty. And this this guy can can help us like storm the castle or whatever to to get rid of the, the and all this guy could talk about. I'm not going to lead you. I'm not going to fight. I'm going to all he could talk about was their hearts. Well, you kind of can pick, you know, pick up what this where the story is going. And ended up, long story short, they couldn't understand him, and the, they ended up killing him because they were just so confused, and he wasn't going to do what they thought he, he should do. Well, Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. And as I was reflecting on that, I'm, I'm kind of convinced that the treasure was really not the big deal of the story. It's where your heart is. Jesus wants your heart and for him, in the, in the story that Jesus was saying at this, on the Sermon on the Mount, the treasure is just kind of the blood trail that he can follow to get to where your heart is. And he knows that if I spend my time trying to build up things here on this earth that are temporary, then that says something about my heart. When in fact, when I build up treasures or when I build up things that are important to me and I extend myself into a more eternal perspective, then he knows then he can find my heart there. So the real thing is not really what the treasure or where the treasure is. The thing is that God and Jesus is after my heart. All right.
Yeah, but that, I'll tell you, you start thinking about that, that's, that's really hard to, and a simple story, right? But that's really hard to do, to try to figure that out, to try to come to that understanding in your own life. Because we seek, we seek peace. We're talking about peace. We seek peace in so many different areas. And, you know, like those, like the people in that story got lost and didn't understand and were confused and got frustrated and ended up killing the treasure. I think we, if you take a step back, I think we all struggle with this whole idea of peace. And how do you, how do you get it? How do you find it? How do you own it? Like, how does that become a part of your life? You know, we're in Advent and we've been talking about joy and love and peace, right? When all these things and, and they're all there. God offers them all to us and, and it's, it, he, it's a gift that he gives to us, but not everyone gets to receive those gifts because they honestly don't truly grasp the, the gift, the treasure that God is offering them. I have, I have another story for you. It's, I'm going to read it to you. There's a story of a godly king, and he noticed that his people were unsettled and often discouraged about their lives, even though the kingdom was flourishing. Everything was going well. So the king offered a prize to the artist who could paint a true picture of peace. Artists from all over the kingdom entered the contest. The king looked at all of the pictures, all the paintings, And after much reflection, he narrowed it down to two and asked the people to decide. One picture was of a beautiful, calm lake. The lake was a perfect mirror to reflect the beautiful mountains and the majestic trees that were all around it. Overhead, puffy white clouds floated in a surreal blue sky. I mean, just picture that. Close your eyes, just picture that in your mind. These beautiful white clouds floating in this perfectly blue sky. Everyone who saw this picture said that it was the perfect picture of peace. A second painting had mountains as well. These mountains were rugged and bare. Above was a gray sky from which rain fell and lightning flashed. Down the, down the side of the mountain tumbled a powerful waterfall. This did not appear to be a peaceful place at all, the people thought. But the wise king encouraged his people to look more closely. When they did, they realized that behind the waterfall was a tiny bush growing in the rock. Inside the bush, a mother bird had built her nest. There behind the power and protection of the rushing water sat the mother bird safely in her nest. She was the picture of peace in the midst of the storm. The people of the kingdom, they they, they reconsidered and they chose the second painting. The king was pleased with the choice of his people. And he said, real peace is found when your heart finds its true home. Real peace is found when your heart, when our hearts find their true home. But that's not easy. That is not easy when you have so many other voices and so many other messages telling you different. At some point, though, we realize the things we think that are going to bring us peace simply don't satisfy 
the, the longing, the, the depths of our heart, we realize that we, we really can't fill, we can't fill the lingering void in our heart on our own. It's something that we cannot do on our own. What, what Kevin was explaining, what I'm trying to explain is what we're longing for, we, we really can't accomplish that. We can't receive that. We can't, we can't do that on our own. And here's the thing, for so many of us, right, the, the, if you will, our calm lake with our puffy clouds and our, our, our surreal blue sky come in the form, right? That picture comes in the form of pleasure, right? How can I find peace? I'll find, I'll find peace. I'll find what I'm looking for through pleasure in this world. The world has so much pleasure to offer. Pleasure is not a bad thing. It's just taken the wrong way. It is, right? Done the wrong way. Or someone says, it's, it's, it's money, it's power, it's fame. If I was just more famous, if I could just write that book and I could achieve this fame, or if I could have, I had just a little bit more wealth, then I'd be able to get the house or get the car or get the whatever that I need. And that, see, if I had that, if I had some of those things or, or just a combination, that would, that would bring me peace. That would, that would bring me contentment. So for many of us, that, that puppy white cloud picture comes in the form of something else that we feel if we had, that would take care of the longing in our heart. That would bring us peace. That would bring us contentment. But honestly, if we had that, if we just looked a little closer at that painting that we have in our mind... Because we all have that painting in our mind. If we, if we just look a little closer at that picture, we realize that those things may, may satisfy us for a season. But like all other things, like, like those types of things, they don't last. They don't have lasting value. They, they seem to just come and then they go. And we're always searching and searching and looking for more. And where are we going to find this? See, if we're wise, if we're truly wise, we understand that the strength to fill that void can only come from the one who placed it there. It isn't by your power. It isn't by your self-discipline or whatever else that is going to get you there. It's from the strength that only comes from the cross of Jesus Christ. The power that lives in us. To draw on that and let God open up our minds and open up our hearts to realize that true peace can only come from Him. Looking closer at that picture that we, that we have in our minds, we discover a peace that is temporary. But then if we look truly closer at the picture, if you will, that the wise king's wise king, his people chose, if we look closer at that picture, we realize that the void can only be filled by our Lord and Savior. We discover something if we look closer. And that's what I want to encourage you to do this morning. I want you to look closer at what's in your mind. Look closer at what God is offering you and you'll find that void can be filled by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God created us God created every single person in this room to have a relationship, a personal relationship with Him. And to experience true, lasting joy in this life. Not just in the life to come. We think, well, I'll find true peace and true contentment and true happiness when I die and I get a glorified body and I'm with God in heaven and I'm floating on a cloud. 
Okay, that's not what Jesus is saying. That's not what God is saying. He's saying you can have true and lasting joy, true and lasting peace, true and lasting contentment here, here and now. See, that missing peace, P-E-A-C-E, that's missing from every man, woman, and child in this room, that missing peace is caused by our separation from God. It's caused by the fact that we are separated from God, which is a direct result of our sin. Our sin separates us from God. Here's what the Bible says in Isaiah 59 in verse 2. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Peace is a gift, my friend. I'll be honest. Peace is a gift that cannot be purchased. Okay, it cannot be earned. You don't earn your way. You can't work your way to it. It cannot be something that you achieve. If I only get to this rung of the ladder and work, if I can only get to this point, this place in my portfolio, it's something that cannot be achieved. It cannot be earned. It cannot be purchased. It is something that has to be received. You and I have to receive that. We all know the words, hark the herald angels sing, right? Glory to the newborn king, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinner reconciled. That's what Jesus came to do. He came to reconcile us to God. He came to bring us peace with God. See, we find the true picture of peace hidden, like that mother bird, hidden in the shelter of God's love and God's grace. We only need to look closer. You just need to look. This Christmas, you just need to look closer. I'm not saying it's easy, okay? But if you do it, if you look closer and stop picking the easy, the easy path. Oh, look at this looks so, this will lead me to peace. Look a little closer, you can, find, you can find peace in the midst of your storm. You can find peace in the midst of your difficulty. You can find peace in the midst of your struggle. Because true peace is hidden in the shelter of God's grace and God's love. He came to earth. He lived a sinless life. And he died on the cross to provide us with the invitation to accept him into our hearts as Lord and Savior. That's what Christ did for us. That's what brings us peace. He reconciled us to God and restored to us a place of peace with him. In Colossians chapter 1 verses 19 and 20, it says this, For God was pleased... To have all his fullness dwell in him, in Christ. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven. By making peace. By making peace. How? Through his blood shed on the cross. Good morning. I'm David, I'm pastor of Community Life here at Grace Chapel. It's uh, such a special morning for me. My, my family are here from South Africa. The last time I saw them was two years ago. <clears throat> you know, relationship, it's so important to us. 
because it's so important to God, and He has first and foremost modeled it. We, we're talking about peace this morning, and uh, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Judges chapter 6. I'm going to give a, a bit of context about, around the passage I'm about to read. Judges chapter 6, Israel have uh, ongoingly been disobedient to the Lord, and uh, he brings them to their knees. You know, when we, when we do things our own way and for our own purpose, um, it never ends well. And after seven years of uh, them being under the Midianites' rule of oppression, um, God comes to deliver them, to deliver them, and he does that by supplying uh, or providing a prophet in the person of Gideon. And that's where we pick up our story. So I'll start uh, by reading Judges chapter 6, verse 15. And this is God, uh, he's reached out to Gideon saying, I want to use you to deliver this nation of Israel, my nation. So he said to him, oh my Lord, and this is Gideon to, to God, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you. And you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Then he said to him, If now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who talk with me. Do not depart from here, I pray, until I come to you and bring out my offering and set it before you. And he, God, said, I will wait until you come back. So Gideon went in and prepared a young goat and unleavened bread from an ephah of flour. The meat he put in a basket, and he put the broth in a pot, and he brought them out to him under the terebinth tree, and presented them. The angel of God said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread, and lay them on this rock, and pour out the broth. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord put out the end of the staff that was in his hand, and touched the meat, and the unleavened bread, and fire rose out of the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread, and the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. Now Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. So Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Then the Lord said to him, Peace be with you. Do not fear, you shall not die. So Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, the Lord is peace. If you've got uh, the King James version of that passage, that uh, phrase, the Lord is peace, uh, in, your, in your Bible it says, Jehovah, Shalom. Jehovah, God or Lord, Shalom, peace. And in the Hebrew it translates, God is peace. It's interesting to me that once Gideon had poured out that broth on that rock, God appeared to him and cried out, Peace, you will not die. And in the same way, God provided his son on the cross and spilled his blood on the cross of, of Calvary's hill. And he cried out to all of mankind, Peace, you will not die. If you have the blood that was spilled for you. 
The whole story of the Bible is relationship with God, dependence on him, moment by moment, utter dependence on him, and, and a desire for relationship. And we've already discussed a little bit about how important that relationship is and why it's important to us. John 14, verse 27, and this is Christ speaking. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. And he goes on to say in John 16, verse 33, These things I have spoken to you, that in me, you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. There can be no peace, guys, without a deep and full understanding that the tribulation you and I see every day and that we experience both within our own lives and within this world God has already dealt with it. He has already overcome it. And if we miss that, all of us feel that there needs to be meaning to life and purpose, and we're seeking for that, we're searching for that. But if you miss that, that God has already intervened for all mankind, and he has already overcome, you will from time to time stumble across that, your meaning and your purpose. But the fight that is yours to fight, you will stumble across it with your own eyes and not looking through the cross, the eyes of the cross that's already been overcome. You will be angry, you'll be frustrated. It's human sentiment, it's emotion that you will look at the fight that you should be fighting with. Not with the eyes that God has already overcome and his plan for you is to reconcile the story that he has for you with his plan that he's already set out. And the most important thing around that is if we don't realize that he has overcome, we'll be fighting that with our own will, our own strength, our own means, and we'll forfeit the greatest ability that he has provided us in the sense that he's already overcome. He says, my child, come to me, lift up your voice to me, and you will move my hand. First, go to God with your, with your prayers, that intimacy, depending on what he has already overcome, before you set out to do with your own hands and feet. Then you will know true peace. Then you will have that perspective that Pastor Jeff spoke about. Because this thing is not your fight to fight, it's his fight to fight. And you and I have the privilege and the blessing to be able to do that through him. His peace is found in him, and we only know him intimately when we are walking in his footsteps. How he modeled for us, how he came to glorify the Father, that is our design. How he was the good shepherd, and how he seeked after the lost, that is your and my mission. How he cared for the defenseless, the helpless, the weak. His cause is your and my cause. And it's only in that, when you start walking in his footsteps, him holding your hand and leading you, that this peace that we so desperately seek for 
We are brought to the fight that we are meant to fight, but by his strength, by his enablement. And that's when we know peace. You can only know the peace, the shalom of God, when you know the God of shalom. And that's what Gideon did. He didn't go and search for peace like Pastor Jeff spoke. Peace is not a thing, something to purchase, to work towards, etc. Gideon sought God, and in God he found peace. And if you go searching for peace, it will always be self-seeking. If that's just the thing that you're looking for outside of a relationship with God, it will be self-seeking. It will be fear-based. All these things, how you're trying to change the world. But you'll always miss God's hand in, in, in stepping forward. It's in that ongoing persistence, seeking after his face, his presence every, every day, that one finds and knows the peace of God. Because your eyes do not see this life as the last thing you'll ever know. Because you already know Jesus in the here and the now, you will know him for all of eternity. <clears throat> And that's all because 2,000 years ago, he sent a baby to die for you and for me. And praise God that he offers that gift to every single one of us of no doing of our own doing. He wants relationship with you and he offers peace within him. Thank you. Good morning. I'm Andy Keimer. I'm the pastor of Children's and Youth Ministry here. And in 1988, the most popular game system, game console, was the original Nintendo. The original Nintendo. I know there's the Nintendo Switch now, there's PlayStation 4, Xbox, whatever. But the original Nintendo, if you were grew up in that season, it kind of changed your life, right? You might, if you're a kid, you might look over, your dad might have a single tear coming down his eye because he's reminiscing about beating Mike Tyson for the first time or defeating Zelda, not defeating Zelda, but, you know, winning the game. But in 1988, they came out with a game called Contra. And the premise of the game Contra was there was two characters, Bill and Lance, and they were Navy SEAL, Army Ranger, Commando type characters, and they were commissioned by the U.S. government to go defeat an evil alien organization off the coast of New Zealand. Yeah, it's a a pretty incredible backstory. I didn't realize video games had that much backstory to it, but um, they needed to save mankind. These two, Bill and Lance, needed to do that. So... As a group of friends, we would play this game, and and it was an adventure game. It was fun, but we could only get so far because we would lose uh, our lives. We would lose health. We would lose resources, and we just could not finish the game. And then came along a little secret known as the, uh, the Contra Cheat Code. So what the Contra Cheat Code was, it was a pattern that you would hit into the controller, when the title screen was on, and it ultimately gave you unlimited resources. So as the title screen came up on the controller, you would hit up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA start. So, yeah. Some of you, some of you probably mouthed it as I was doing that because you remember it as well. But ultimately, this cheat code would put you in position to have the unlimited resources, unlimited lives you needed to defeat 
this evil alien organization. So I give you that random bit of 80s video game trivia knowledge, um, not just for you to have, but to, to, to kind of apply that context of this cheat code of unlimited resources to that of God's mercy. Uh, Pastor Kevin does an incredible job. He calls them Kevinisms. He gives a very layman or basic definition to kind of these big topics within, um, you know, your Christian walk. So something like faith or forgiveness or salvation. He really breaks it down into something simple. So this idea of mercy, mercy, I feel, falls into those words where sometimes it's hard to maybe explain it. It's so broad. It's so applied in so many different aspects of the Bible. But For this aspect, I thought this was a really good definition, that mercy is a love that responds to human need in an unexpected or unmerited way. So mercy is a love that responds to human need in an unexpected or unmerited way. So we can kind of break down what mercy is. And then when we look at scripture, what scripture says about God's mercy from Lamentations 3, 22 and 23, it says the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So it's almost as if we have or are living out this cheat code. We have an unlimited amount of God's mercy. Every single day it is new, right? God's mercy is not like a bank. It doesn't operate like a bank where you make a withdrawal, you keep making withdrawals, and then you have to put something back in a deposit to get more out. It is always unlimited. God isn't at the dinner table telling you, hey, you need to finish these mercies before you get these mercies. It is always unlimited and it is new every single morning. And as we are seeking peace, knowing that we have this unlimited aspect of mercy from God that should be encouraging, that should give us strength, and it should ultimately give us peace. Um, Let us pray. Lord, uh, thank you so much for today. Thank you just for this environment. Thank you for allowing the families to be a part of this. Um, And let us just remember the points that you have laid out through us today, that you know we're a child of a loving God who desperately wants our heart, that we've been given a gift of peace, perfect peace. We've been given the gift of unlimited mercy, regardless of what season we are in, regardless of what we've said, what we've done. It is unlimited and it is there every single morning. But most importantly, we've been given the gift of a savior, a perfect savior who encompasses perfect love, perfect peace, perfect mercy and ultimately perfect hope. We know the Christmas season is filled with emotion and family and generally very, very good. But we also know it's filled with memories that might not be so good, Lord. So I pray that we just relish and remember the gifts that you have given us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.